and welcome into a special emergency episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Karen Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who is quick with a joke or a light of your smoke. Wait, that's not Billy Joel. He is Cody Savenhagen. How you doing? Doing all right, Karen. What a day. What a day. <laughs> Everyone out there, pat yourselves on the back. You have survived the Al Avila era. Wait, 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 wait. I got something. This is what we call props. That's what hey. the Tigers fans are doing today. This is not a Dancing on the Grave podcast, but I'm just acknowledging what the fan base was doing. And so, in case you haven't heard, the Al Avila era is over. Mercifully, you could say. And for those keeping track at home, since he took over as GM just over seven years ago, if my math is correct, 427 wins, 606 losses. Although it should be noted that post-Al Avila... The win percentage is a little bit lower, but we'll get into that as at a, at a different time. That's a uh, .414 winning percentage in the Alavila era. <sighs> okay, well, I, I have several thoughts of this. Uh, anyone knows me, listens to this podcast. I got jumbled thoughts, and I don't want to get into them just yet. I, I, I want to know, Cody, because so you and I didn't have all that much communication during the day today. And, you know, the news breaks right as I'm getting done with my day job. And I'm like, oh, so uh, it's it's uh, it's going to be a late night for your boy here. That's OK. That's what this is all about for you, though. For you, though, your various sources, your various connections. You know, this is it's kind of a random Wednesday news dump, but it's actually before a game here from Chris. We'll get into that in a second. How was your Wednesday? How was your Wednesday? Um, yeah, my head's still spinning, you know. It hasn't, <laughs> hasn't slowed down. It was eventful, which hasn't always been eventful covering the Tigers this year. So mm-hmm. so I guess I will take it. Um, I did not see this news coming today, you know. I thought I saw it coming. almost thought I had it last Friday. People were whispering about this last Friday. Scouts were talking about it. And we heard Al Avila's out, and the whole scouting department's going with him. I could not get anyone to confirm that. Ken Rosenthal could not get anyone to confirm that. It just kind of went away, and I was like, okay, it's probably one of those things that everyone was just speculating yeah. maybe is a little premature. Not yet. And yeah, and then it's like, okay, well, it didn't happen the off day. It doesn't happen the, the day back from the off day. Why did this come about on Wednesday? You know, I don't know. Uh, that's That's... Man may never know the answer to that question. <laughs> but, you know, the Tigers Clubhouse opens at 310, like it does every day. And we go in there and the PR director comes in and says, hey, we're closing at 330. Generally, that means something's up if they're kicking everyone, uh, you know, everyone out. And, you know, I mean, some other reporters were going through ideas. Like, is it someone getting DFA'd? Is Eduardo Rodriguez stopping by? Like, what could be going on? Honestly, I did not put Al Avila's getting fired on my list of things because Eduardo, it, sorry, like it, yeah, uh, well he's pitching in Toledo, you know he's he's probably flew into Detroit. Yeah, fair enough. Um, he could have got his apology out of the way early, but anyway, I, I like I don't know, it just wasn't really on my radar, and I thought if it didn't break when I was trying to track it down last Friday, then it's maybe it's they're gonna wait until the end of the season. 
so we're just all kind of waiting there for like an hour, like what the hell is going on? And Tigers did a real good job keeping this quiet. You know, that's pretty big news to keep under wraps. And again, mm-hmm. it, there were some people out there in the world that have been talking about it for a few days, but they, uh, uh, they kept it quiet, and then they dropped the the press release at four thirty, and boom, the Tigers have parted ways with Alavila, and it's just like, oh, all right, <laughs> time to get to work. And then it's like, wait, this is such like big news. What do you even, what do you even do now? You know, it's kind of paralyzing. It's like Chris is going to talk in forty five minutes, and uh, it was really all kind of a blur from there. I'm told a game was played tonight. I didn't really, I was didn't really watch that game. I was, I was writing. Uh, it was a prolonged game i can tell you that much uh (laughs) uh fun fact just a little nugget uh maybe this summarizes the alavila era tigers go down three nothing today or yesterday depending on when you're listening to this podcast and dan dirksen on the radio is like the tigers have come back from three runs down one time this year that was opening day and I was like, all right, I'm just going to focus on prepping for this podcast now. <laughs> and, you know, I guess for the record, they did make it close, but whatever. Um, yeah, so if people probably don't care about this, but I also find it fascinating. I'm glad you brought it up just now. It's like I went to like Ken Rosenthal's Twitter and it was like basically all retweets of like the Field of Dreams thing that's happening you know, today or tomorrow again, depending on when you're listening. And then Jeff Passan just tweeted out, comma, team announced. So, I mean, I guess kudos to the Tigers for, you know, keeping this under wraps to a certain extent, even if there were murmurs. Um, Someone could have just like, you know. Could told have, me, but hit, whatever. You could have you hit know, your boy fine, up. I mean, that, what, what harm would that have done, you know? Just uh, trying to feed my dog, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I read, <laughs> I, I read like, the, the statement, obviously, from Chris Illich, and like all statements, they're basically pointless. So I'm not going to recite it here. But uh, maybe this is, maybe we should just go into it right now. One of my first thoughts was, Hey, timing, kind of odd, colon, what did I say on the most recent episode of this podcast? Alavila handcuffed, no, you know, Chris telling him that, hey, like, you're not doing anything major here, I'm not asking you to comment on that because that's all pure speculation, I'm just saying since the last time we talked, there's more evidence that that could have been a thing. That's all I'm saying. But regardless, something that you can talk about in a professional capacity, Cody, is the timing of this just in general. Uh, it, you go through the draft, you which, again, picks that were universally received as, you know, good picks, you know, and for whatever it's worth, Peyton and Jace... Uh, I've had a couple nice moments as they get into the professional ranks. They're not overrating it, but, you know, it's cool. Your guy Zach Neto is already in double A, so. That is true. That is true. That is true. But (laughs) uh, less than a week, or actually exactly, or a little bit more than a week, excuse me, removed from the trading deadline, you make this move, which, of course, means, like, let's just be frank here. It's not like 
Chris woke up Wednesday morning and thought, ugh. He did he wasn't creative enough at the trade deadline, that Al. Now it's time to make a move. It's not like he woke up this morning and said, Ah you know, the that series last weekend. Time to make a move. This was something in the works for a while. I do believe it is worth questioning the timing of it in terms of post-trade deadline or post-draft. Maybe I'm in the minority here. I think it was okay to do it the way he did because what are you gonna? What is the interim gonna do for something that requires the preparation that goes into a draft and and goes to a trade deadline, especially if you have ramifications for said trade deadline? I'm not sure that would have necessarily been like more productive, but it is worth the discussion and i guess the motive to do the move now is that you have more time to get a candidate or whatever but uh your thoughts on just the general timing of it if it seems odd and then you're like oh well this is seven years and one week after alavila was hired you know and right. dave, dave dombrowski was fired immediately post trade deadline basically a couple days after the trade deadline yeah. um and i think that makes sense i'm not in favor of whacking a GM before the draft because the draft is this big mm-hmm. behemoth that takes a ton of planning and if you are changing over your front office I think that could be actually harmful to your draft process the trade deadline that's another one in, in 2019 when Avila was extended in July I remember you know kind of the speculation was like well you want the rest of the league to know that this is actually the guy they're going to be dealing with at the deadline or whatever after the deadline um, you could argue the same thing. Say if a new GM takes over July 20th, is that who you want running your trade deadline? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. or you want in, in some interim GM making, uh, decisions of that magnitude. So I think kind of the big things are out of the way and there's definitely no point, um, to wait until the end of the season. Now, if the decision's already made. I do think it's good to get a leg up on the search process. You can hit the ground running. You can be the first to interview guys, um, whatever that may end up looking like. The, the trade deadline thing is a little weird. Like, you know, you wonder if you're really intent on getting rid of him, maybe you could have done it uh, immediately post-draft or something. Or, I mean, if you're not going to upheave the whole front office, I, I don't know. It's really interesting. I'm not sure. Is there a perfect time to fire a GM? I don't think there is. I think this is about as good as you're going to get, really. Yeah, I mean, I guess... And this doesn't matter. This will kind of be, I guess, the last thing I say about it. I guess if you wanted to save the weird optics, you could have waited a week or two, and, like, in theory, it wouldn't necessarily, like, kill your uh, research process uh, in terms of, you know, who the next candidates would be. You ought to... Somebody, um, you know, maybe not Chris, I guess, but somebody ought to know, you know, the list of, of names that would be on the short list and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Same thing with AJ in terms of his coaching staff and all that stuff. So, but the the thing is, we got to hear from, from Chris Illich today, and I only caught snippets on Twitter. Uh, here's a metaphor for your 2022 Detroit Tigers. Uh, my house is in shambles right now. There's a the dishwasher hose burst 
So now there's flooding underneath the house, so therefore the floors have to be pulled. And I, you could probably hear it if you listen closely. I have about eight fans going, like industrial fans, trying to dry out the mold and all that stuff. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's a mess. It is an absolute shambles. So the Tigers... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got to hear from Chris Illich today give, I guess, in some ways, a state of the team. And, and also, you know, he doesn't answer questions very often. This is valuable time as a reporter. I, I'm dealing with a lot of household stuff when this press conference was going on. Was there anything to take from that? Uh, you should probably just go back and watch the video, Kieran. It was it was, it was kind of tough to describe. Um there were multiple cringe-worthy moments. It was it was really odd. Uh, this is like a layup. This is like a slam dunk. You win the news cycle. This should have been like everybody loves Chris Illich Day because he finally did what the whole fan base wanted him to do, which was fire Al. And then his messaging was so bad. He still kind of got knocked by by the public for it. Um, it was just weird from the get-go where it's like, when did you tell Al? <laughs> you know, Chris, well, I would say uh, at some point within the last day or two, I'm not going to get specific. It's like, why can't you just, look, if you don't want to tell us the ins and outs of the conversation, that's fine. You could be like, oh, I told him on Tuesday or, oh, I told him whenever, you know, yeah. I don't know why he was so vague about all that. You know, what was the last straw? Why did you fire him? He didn't really get into that, which I actually think might have been smart. I kind of liked the bluntness with which Chris was like, you all have assessed it. Uh, I felt we have did not made pro- make progress. Chris did come off very blunt and businesslike. Um, and without saying it, he was kind of like, yeah, you all know why I fired him. You know, um, I thought that was probably the best part of his messaging. Um, you know, he read off his quote from the Red Wings presser, the so on and so forth. He literally clearly had it like written down or typed up in his notes and he read it, you know, cause he got asked about it and just read it verbatim. And that just seemed odd. You could tell when he got a, a question, maybe he wasn't entirely prepped for, he, he struggled a little bit. I asked him, uh, do you still view giving out the contract extension in 2019 as their correct decision. And he starts talking about giving out an extension in 2021. And someone follows up like, wait, he was extended in 21. And he's like, yeah, we had a press conference. And it's like, no, you no, you didn't. And then he, and then he's like, Oh, well you guys said 21. So I just went with it. It's like, no, that was not a good look. Uh, because number one, that's not what happened. Number two, if, Number one, he started like, oh, he was hired in 15 by my father when my father passed away in 17. He's given these precise dates, and he gives the wrong date for when he extended the general manager. Then there was the whole, someone asked him, basically, do you have regrets over the move, such as the Verlander trade, the J.D. Martinez trade? And I thought this one was blown out of proportion or out of context a little bit because he's like, well, I didn't make those trades. I'm not the GM. Al did those trades blah, 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 but really I'm just focused on moving forward. I don't want to rehash a litany of all Al's moves. I think what he really meant was kind of the most literal interpretation, like I'm not the GM, I'm the owner, you know? So uh, I'm sure he signed signs off on big moves like that, but I, I think what he was trying to convey was just like, 
That's not actually like my job description. But you still gotta have some sense sense for the message. When you say, Well, I didn't make the moves, the general manager did, Al did, then it looks like you're 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 throwing Al under the yeah. bus, which again, people I don't know. If if you if you're really gonna go that way, double down on it, because people might have liked that. But uh it was just this weird convoluted message with a few very cringeworthy moments and it was it was not a good press conference. Well, see, that's important because the the discussion becomes next. How good of a job is the Tigers for a prospective GM candidate? And ownership plays a huge role, probably the largest role and how someone would perceive the quality of the job because you want to have resources, you want to have backing, you want to have someone that is going to have your, you know, is going to like understand your message and 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 so awkward press conferences are in everything, but it certainly doesn't help. Uh, th- there's been a couple varied opinions cuz this is one of the things that I actually tried to sort of get clear in my head i didn't i i I was really trying to like remove my obvious bias where like i want to say this is a quality job i'm you know in my head as i'm trying to be fair i'm not trying to overrate the job it's a quality job you know you're gonna be working with aj hinch you're gonna you know in theory have a decent amount of resources at your disposal. There's already been some infrastructure changes in the scouting, performance science. We've talked a little about that stuff uh, that have been implemented with some smart people from smart organizations. And as much as the product on the field looks terrible, you know, you, you can you can say like, all right, well, Riley Green, rookie, you know anyone who would be taking this job would have scouted him in certain uh, you know a couple years ago to a certain extent same thing with Spencer Torgelson there's a lot of guys on the team or the 40 man or in the mix that would be familiar to anyone taking a GM job and so I want to say it's a quality job but I don't know I don't know where my bias lays and and where so like I'll, I'll i'll we mentioned him a couple times over the course of this podcast i'll, I'll mention former detroit news uh beat reporter lynn henning who still does writing for the detroit news he had a column tonight about it but he did tweet the tigers gm job is a good one ownership contrary to local lore is strong and has finances ground floor talent is in supply on the pitching side with some hitters, infield, he put in parentheses, definitely in route. Old, deeply rooted baseball town that can offer a sharp new GM a long honeymoon. You know, that that all makes sense, but that's also some sort of, like, institutional knowledge that I'm not sure maybe an outsider would have. So, you're a journalist. You are impartial. You are around the team, but you also look at the landscape of baseball. How do you classify this quality of a job? 
Well, yeah, let's be realistic. All right, what size market is Detroit? It's not a small market. In fact, I don't, Some we talked about this this offseason. Like, we got to stop when it's like, oh, Detroit's a small market. It's not. But it's not New York. It's not L.A. It's not Chicago. It's more of a, is it fair to say, a medium-sized market in yeah. terms of pro sports? Yeah. Okay, so it's about a medium-sized market. Uh, you know, your stadium's not everything. What kind of stadium you got? Well, it's not one of the cathedrals. It's not one of the newest, but it's a pretty good park. Probably middle-of-the-pack type stadium. Um, what kind of talent do you got? Well, you have a couple good young players. You have some young pitching. Your farm is thinned out real quick. ESPN just ranked to 24th, but Baez, Eduardo, I don't know how you, if you feel great about that, but you don't have nothing. You know, you've got some talent. I think it's a middle-of-the-pack job. I think there are things to like about it. There are certain things that could be better. I do think ownership, um... You don't have to have a press conference with your owner every day. Yeah. At the bottom line, if your owner is willing to spend some money, you're good. Chris Illich, I don't know. He lived up to his promise to spend this past offseason. That's really all we have to go off uh, with him. Um, I don't think the pockets are endless. I don't think the Tigers are going to be spending to the luxury tax. But I don't think the Tigers are broke or crying poor either. Um so I wouldn't like run from the job like oh Chris is so cheap Detroit's bad like I don't I think that's inaccurate I also think oh there's so much young talent and I don't think that's true either I think the right person could do a very good job here um, there are worse opportunities out there but there there are a couple yeah minor it, drawbacks it, as well it, it's maybe this is the best way to put it it's uh. There's a base with some hurdles. It's not a clean slate. There's more talent on the team than what would constitute a clean slate. The only, the only, the only thing I really don't like is the limited depth in the farm. I mean, again, you've seen how much it's panned out or thinned out. A couple guys, Kreidler, Colt Keith, you can still like, and heck, you have Jackson Job, Jace Young. Now, there's not a ton of depth that's eroded very, very quickly. Um, the major league roster, you have kind of these mismatched pieces. That's what I don't like about it. There's still a lot of reshaping this organization that has to be done. Um, in terms of like the owner, look, there are 30 owners. They're all billionaires. Not a lot of them are super liked. You know, I, I don't think, I don't think, uh, Chris Illich is a reason to like for a quality candidate to not take the job. If he is willing to spend a reasonable amount you're good well okay well you mentioned that and something that's also worth noting there's only so many of these jobs available right gm jobs and this is actually a point that i saw chris brown make on twitter from motor city Bengals, woodward sports woodward tigers tigers minor league report does a great job it's not that many jobs out there available. So if you're one of these number twos, number threes in another front office, you get offered this job, unless you just know that you're going to get something better in two years or three years or whatever, most likely you're going to take it because this is a dream job for a front office guy, right? Like it's, oh, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Think about it. you got these assistant GMs, Sam Menzen and Jay Sartori have been sitting here waiting, you know, working their butts off every day, thinking, okay, maybe things go the right way and and 
either we get the World Series and someone else hires me or Al's fired or retires and, and maybe I get my shot. And those are two dudes who will be candidates who will be interviewed, but sure seems like Chris is, uh, you know, kind of got the vibe like, no, we're probably going outside the organization, you know, and because these opportunities just don't come up very often. You know, yeah, and that's what it comes down to. I remember back when you were covering Oklahoma football and Bob Stoops retired and Lincoln Raleigh takes over. And now this is me being wrong, but I still hold this as a general belief. I was like, I don't think Lincoln Raleigh is going to work at OU just because institutional hires just typically like aren't, you know, don't work. Now he mm-hmm. did. And of course, he worked too well. He's at USC now, whatever. Uh, but yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of times uh, that's more like sentimental more than anything else in my opinion to like hire inst- by the way you just had an institutional hire well exactly <laughs> that's why that's why so um is there is there any names because i jotted down some names that i thought at least were interesting i tried to now this is not something that i have i keep like close tallies with just because there, there, there's so much to go in depth there. So I'm not going to claim to be an expert. But, you know, I tried to do a little bit of research. I tried to kind of connect a couple dots. I tried to say, like, all right, well, this would make some sense for this reason. And, and I just kind of jotted down some names. And, and, and so I was kind of laying them out for, for everybody here. This is in no particular order. Uh, Dana Brown, vice president of scouting with the Braves. Billy Owens, the assistant general manager and director of player personnel for the Athletics. Pete Putilla, Patilla, Patilla, Houston's assistant general manager and director of player development. And I'm probably going to mispronounce a lot of these names. Emil Saude, Arizona's, uh, I believe he has a Red Sox background. Arizona's senior vice president of baseball operations and assistant GM, Randy Flores, who has had a million, should look up all the things he's done in addition to being a player. Uh, He was on the 06 Cardinals, by the way, but he is the Cardinals assistant GM and director of scouting. I also wrote down anyone from the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is where I just decided to get silly. Uh, Billy Bean did play for the Tigers. Derek Jeter, Michigan native. And, and Theo Epstein, just because he's out there, he's gonna be he's gonna be not connected, but he's gonna be discussed as any job. I do have a Theo point in a second, but just generally speaking, uh, some names that that kind of make you raise an eyebrow, I guess. Yeah, those are all good. It's a hard one to know because you can look on paper at any assistant gym and be like, oh, this guy probably makes sense. How many of these guys do I actually know? Not many. You know, you can kind of go based on what you hear. Um, I think looking at an organization that has done it, someone who knows what they're doing is probably the way to go. So I like anyone with the Dodgers. Uh, Brandon Gomes and Austin Slater, two of the guys for the Dodgers I would be uh, highly interested in. Dana Brown and the Braves, you've mentioned, I've heard good things about him. There's Matt Arnold, who works for the Brewers. Um, there are probably some more under-the-radar guys out there that maybe we don't know of. Well, um, well, Sigma at all, the, the, the Orioles assistant GM, yeah. worked in Houston. You know, he's he's a name that comes to mind. He's always been more of a behind-the-scenes guy, but 
Yeah, he's done in Houston, now Baltimore. I don't know. Could he run his own show? I have no idea. Um, you know, people are going to throw out Theo. People are going to throw out Jeff Lunau. I think those are long shots, but the big names you kind of have to discuss, you know. Um, and then, of course, I asked AJ Hinch today, like, do you have any interest in being GM? Uh, mostly so we could get that one out of the way. Yeah. So you knew it was going to come up. And he said, no, I plan on being the manager. Um, seems like AJ's going to have plenty of power and influence and say, but uh, I, as of now, it does not look like he's looking to move upstairs. So we can throw out a million names. I'll be interested um, hopefully in the, the coming days to get a better sense of like who the Tigers are actually targeting, who they really want to talk to. Well, maybe let's not focus on names as much because, you know, who's going to really know these guys? But like, what about, what kind of title do you think best serves a, a guy to make the next step to GM? Because we have all these things like director of player personnel, director of scouting, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, like... Uh, I know football better than baseball, so I make a lot of football analogies. But you have directors, you have amateur, you have college scouts and pro scouts, and a lot. You know, Bob Quinn was a pro scout. Brad Holmes was a college scout. Which one had better results? You know, two years in. You know, so like, is there a particular title and responsibility that lends itself, in your opinion, not like generally, but like your opinion that you think, yeah, that makes a little bit, that makes a little more sense. I like that more. I think the GM, look, you're hiring a staff. You have to hire a staff full of smart people. So whoever's running pro scouting, I want to hire the best pro scouting guy I can get. Whoever's running amateur scouting, I want to go get the best amateur scouting I can get. I think the dude who's actually in the GM chair, sometimes it's a little less about the actual, I mean, you got to have a good resume, but a little less about, oh, he has this specific background and more like does does he or she have it i think general manager is very much an it job uh theo epstein guy that comes to mind he was what 28 or something when he became a general manager and so it's not like he had decades of experience in any particular area he was a media relations intern for the padres like eight years before he was the general manager of the red sox uh but he um has a personality about him. He's clearly a good leader. He can clearly make difficult decisions. He's intelligent. He's intellectually curious and open-minded. I think those are really the traits I'm looking for in a GM more than, oh, he or she has this one specific skill set, this one specific background. That's fair. It is. It takes a village, as uh, HRC once, uh, once wrote in a book. So, yeah, I mean, I would love... I- you got to get more talent in the door, and then you got to have the infrastructure and the personnel in place in order to develop that talent. I will say this about Theo, anyone that has that, I don't know, I don't want to be over-aggressive and say pipe dream. Uh, you know, we, we know it's going to take ownership stake, and as a fan, who cares about that? Uh, but that is worth noting in terms of whether it's realistic or not. And uh, I think Theo is also a guy who's earned the right to do the long haul. And if you hire Theo, like, you know, if you're a fan and your team hires Theo, do you have the, do you have the patience to go through an actual rebuild? I mean, that's, uh, that's something that I think could come readily into play. Uh, all right. So we're about 30 minutes in, want to keep this, uh, about the average commute for Americans out there. Uh, Cody, is there anything else you wanted to spit out? 
I've got a million ideas still running through my mind. None of them are specific, so. <laughs> well, good thing we're going to talk in a couple days. Uh... There we go. I think it's interesting that Tigers don't have an actual interim GM right now. Sam Minzen is the, quote, point of contact. What does that mean? <laughs> Sounds like Sam and AJ and the rest of baseball ops are going to be running things as a collab. I don't totally understand why they, you know, you just can't let poor Sam have the title interim GM, <laughs> even if it doesn't change his actual job. I thought that was strange. Probably speaks to how much influence AJ is going to have, but um, that was an oddity that hasn't been talked about a lot today in, in the midst of everything else. That's true. And uh, as we get a couple of days removed from this, we can speculate, not speculate, but assess a little bit more about the AJ Hinch impact. Uh, ever more relevant that he is your manager as opposed to a placeholder again that's going to make the job a lot more attractive in uh in a lot of people's eyes so we'll talk more about this later in the week cody but an eventful day for the tigers it's it's been a long day for you appreciate you making the time you can follow cody on twitter at cody stavenhagen i am at kieran underscore steckley our pod page is at turn corner pod and Please like, subscribe, review, five stars, all that stuff. Hope you guys enjoy the product we put out here. Hope you're an athletic subscriber so that you can read Cody's in-depth, wonderful work on this. And uh, your boy just got a lot more story ideas. So good good, good for Cody Stavenhagen uh, for the rest of the season and into the offseason. Certainly keeps things interesting. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody, thank you for listening.